hey, this is cool. This is going to be a big hit. I would be like the singer at a jazz club next to the piano. That was the first time that I was like, wow, I can do it. He's so emotional and so raw and so real with how he delivers his music. 13-year-old me, rock and rolling. I came out of the session and went, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the sound. She was so real. When she'd be rapping and singing, it felt like he was kind of at the church again. Hello and welcome to What Did I Say, where Atlantic Records talks with artists about songs they made, songs they like, and songs they'd like to have made. It's an inside look into the craft of songs from the artists themselves. Jess Glynn's mantra is a simple one, don't stop. It's this relentlessness that led to the smash success of Glynn's debut record, I Cry When I Laugh, which landed at number one on the UK album chart, while then spending 39 weeks within the top 10. Singles Hold My Hand, Don't Be So Hard on Yourself would also hit the top of the charts, as would collaborations with Tiny Tempa, a Grammy award-winning pairing with Clean Bandit, and in 2018, the song These Days with Rudimental. She's carrying this momentum into the back half of a sure-to-be-busy 2018, one highlighted by the sophomore record, Always In Between. The first single off that record, I'll Be There, has already hit number one in the UK, while Glynn has made appearances on The Today Show, on Live with Ryan and Kelly, and on The Graham Norton Show. In a recent visit to the Atlantic Podcast Studios, Glynn spoke about working in the music business prior to her ascent as an artist, about the creation of I'll Be There, and about how there's one way to get that thing you really, really want. Don't stop. So I was gonna ask, your mom worked at AR in the music biz. She did. Did really you funny. have a sense that that was happening at a young age? Now it's so weird because my mom basically worked in music for ba- like so much of her life, and then she had my sister, and then went back, and then when she had me, she kind of put it to bed. But her last job was at Atlantic Records. No way. Yeah, as an A and R coordinator. Wow. So it's really weird. In London. In uh, London, yeah. Really weird, like really weird. Did it like, when did did you see like the logo around? Because I would like look at my parents' stuff and like, you know, when you're like, don't know what they do, but my you mom sort would of always do. tell me she worked at so many labels. She worked at EMI. She worked at all of them, and she had such. But do you know what? My mom worked in the music industry in the best time. You know, when was it? When was um, she there? She was there like through the. I was born eighteen nine seventies and the eighties. So she had like, that's a party. That's like, <laughs> that's when money didn't matter and when it was like loose and fun and there wasn't so many restrictions and it was about the rock and roll life, you know. And she'd go down to studios with bands and yeah, it was just a whole nother era. Like what she did in comparison to what an A and R coordinator would do now is like totally different. Were they? Were you hearing music being talked about? Like, yeah, were like you my thinking, like, this is what I wanted to do? Well, yeah, so, like, my parents are just music fans. Like, so my whole life, I've been surrounded by vinyls, by CDs, by albums, by amazing singers and musicians. And, you know, my dad and my mom love jazz. They love, it. they love it all. And so, like, they always would be going to concerts, to gigs, to, you know, cool little jazz bars. And growing up, it was always a part of, like, my childhood so I was obviously from a young age introduced to music in a very I think in an appreciative way because they appreciate music in a different way I think there's listening to music and then there's like musos you know who just who love music but not just because it's 
this Something was to the, listen to. This was the saxophone player that also played on yeah, this, and, and then like, they're like that kind of yeah, and like Prince. You gotta know who Prince is, Jess. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then you know, like, and I would Aretha love Franklin. to have seen that. Yeah, your face. Like. And it's just they were never forceful of it. It just was around the house. It just was what it was like. And I guess from a young age, I became obsessed with music. And I used to love singing. And do you remember the first time you sang? I don't remember the first time. I do remember at a young age singing. Um, I remember. I do remember at school uh, when I was like in what do you call it, preschool? Um, I do remember like singing and people being like, what? <laughs> yeah, I always just thought everyone could sing. I guess as a kid, you, you have no one. As, yeah, as a no, kid, everyone, you think everybody. But everyone as in like can do what I can, like, you know? So I just thought it was a normal yeah. thing. It was a part of life. Because as a kid, you don't know anything, yeah. really. <laughs> you haven't lived. So I just thought, oh yeah, everyone can do that. Do you remember your first um, favorite song? My first favorite song. What was my first favorite song? I feel like um, like the first one that I comes think, like, to mind. One when you song like that like I was obsessed with was "Hero" from a young age. Like it's one song that comes to mind by Mariah Carey. Oh, yes, obviously. <laughs> so just in case someone, not everyone. I worked with Mariah. Did you? Yeah, she's so nice. I bet she's like lovely. she's got an entourage and you can hear her she, coming. I can imagine she's funny though. Yeah, that's the thing's so funny. Yeah, like it was. Just, yeah, I was very surprised. So I'm glad you like Hero. Of course. Like yeah, I, I mean, went to the I Vegas show. It's definitely one. Oh, you gotta go. Still, uh, yeah, I know. I feel like it's, she did another run. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, comes out oh, on a yeah. motorcycle. No, so Mariah was like, she was definitely yeah up there. Her and Whitney, most definitely. And Aretha Franklin was massive. Like, Say a Little Prayer was one of my, like, I used to try and sing that when I'm, like, a kid and I've got, like, this. But weirdly, like, I've always had quite, a, like, a husky voice. So as a kid, I think because I was just, like, rah, rah, I just had this, developed this kind of roughness. I mean, today it's extra rough because I've been, like, using it a lot. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, uh, definitely a Mariah. And then when you were working in music, because you did music management stuff, you were working in the biz for a little bit. I did work, yeah. I did. What was the hardest thing to get through? I think like the networking part. Like, mm. you know, when you're starting out and you're like trying to connect with the right people and know right for wrong, like were your parents helpful with that as you were like getting you know, into that? Like, if I'm really real, my mom and dad were really great at le leaving me and my sister to our own devices. And I'm very grateful for that because they were helpful in, in the sense that advice and knowledge and, you know, if my mum knows someone or could put me in contact with someone, she would. But, but you still got to steal the deal. But she's also like, the one thing that I genuinely love is that the reason I'm here is because of me and she didn't hand anything to me. Everything that happened up to now, like, like none of that was because of her. You know, like my mum was out of the industry. She hadn't been in it for yeah, years. Yeah, you said that, yeah. So it's not like she could be like, oh, meet blah, blah, Because when blah. you get out for a minute, yeah, in six out, months, you yeah. kind of... Yeah, and also it's just people move about. People change. It's like, yeah. you know, the funniest thing is I didn't find out till quite late that my mum's boss was moving to Jive in New York. And he was like, I want you to come with me. And because of me, she didn't go. And I didn't find that out until a couple of years ago. And really? I was like... 
fuck didn't you take that? We could have grown up in New York and you would have worked <laughs> at this big label. And she was like, you've done you all right for yourself. You could have gone to that yourself. high school for fame. Like the, and I, that, yeah, and school. she was like, you've done all right for yourself on your own. And I didn't want to do it. And I was like, <laughs> and to be fair, I was like, you know what? It's quite amazing because I love the fact that I didn't get handed anything, you know? And I think it makes everything more more amazing for yeah. me, you know? Um, yeah, I can't remember where we were. No, I feel it was, like it I've was more about like the Sorry. networking part of like the, you know, you... You sort of oh the music management sorry so yeah you got into it so and yeah, then so you my, like started doing it almost like you got yeah. a little like cliff notes yeah as you were going so that was kind of mad because a family friend of mine knew this guy was was really friendly with this guy called Joey and she was like um she was like do you want to meet this guy Joe I was looking for a job at the time and she was like do you want to meet this guy Joe he's looking for an assistant he works at a music management I know you love music. I was like, yeah, I went and met him. We got on really well. He gave me the job. But it was like £500 a month, which is like that's that's not, $700. It's not enough. It's not living money. It's like <laughs> to pay so that I can get on the tube, get to work and eat just about. Um, but it was like, you that know, was your to end. learn. It was like an in to learn. And it was like, you know, I was the runaround. I was the person that was assisting. Um, but I learned about like, promo i learned about touring i learned about studio production i learned about contracts i learned about the a and i learned so much i learned about you know what it was like to actually try and be an artist and have a career and what went into that and i'll tell you the truth i struggled because i hated being on that side of it and it really like used to wear me down a bit because you wanted to be there? Because I wanted to be the artist and I worked alongside this artist and I was like, you're an ungrateful little boy. You know, like you are being fed like opportunities. Like this company believe in you, this management company. They, and the management were investing the money, you know, and that's rare for a management to invest like hundreds of thousands of pounds. Wow. By the time I'd got there, they'd invested about half a million in this, in this artist. Wow. And... When you are like, okay, this guy works hard, he's talented, he's cool, but he also is a lazy guy. I'd have to call him at seven in the morning or to make sure that he was up and would go to an interview at 11 in the morning. Wow. Even though we were ordering him a car to get there and he would still miss it. And I'd just be like, but that's an opportunity. And at that point in time, I'd be like, is this normal? And I'd get frustrated and you'd be surrounded by that kind of energy where like there was a lot of confliction between the management and him and it, it was amazing to be a part of, but it just taught me how not to do it. When you started meeting people, you were, all those check boxes were in your yeah. head. And I do remember once I got sat down, like, cause I remember being in, I had to look after him one day with promo and stuff. And I remember like um, being at certain things and I'd be talking to, the people who worked, um, who were say like, we were doing like promo days or something. And I remember really specifically, cause I got on really well. I'm, I'm quite a people person. I'm very interested. I like to ask questions. And so like he was being a little, whatever he was doing, I don't know. And I was just having a chat. I was like, yeah, you know. And I just remember this specific day. I remember them being like, he went and spoke to, to Joey, the guy who's looking, and he was like, obviously he was, he didn't like that I was getting on with these people. So Joe's like, maybe just like don't talk so much to these people when you're like going in, just make sure it's all about about blah. And I was like, cool. But 
even in that, I was like... It clicked. Like, yeah, and right. I was like, there's obviously something that I'm better at, you know? Yeah. And it was amazing because there's a, another guy came into that office to assist and he would be in there first thing in the morning. He'd be doing everything and anything, like helping everyone, doing this, doing that. I'd come in like when I had to be there. I'd do what I needed to do. I would just like do what I'm told. Going through the motions. I wouldn't kind of like overuse my initiative just because I was like, I do what I need to do. Yeah. And I think it got to a point where they realized that, you know, I didn't care so much and we parted ways. And it was like, you know, they knew I wanted to be an artist. They knew what that I didn't want to be sitting in that office. And I don't think I was helping them so much. So when you met like your people, the songwriters, the producers, and you kind of were doing that music thing, did you probably had all those, you knew when it was right because you were seeing all those things previously mm -hmm. of like, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. Oh wow, your producer, we're connecting. Like you, you, you yeah. almost had, Cause I could see like he worked so well in studios and stuff and obviously like, you know, came out and I didn't really like, I wasn't so much a part of the studio part of it. But yeah, so when I left, I spoke to one of the guys and, and literally this guy there who I worked with and I, one of his other managers, this guy called Kwame, I tell you now, like he was one of the most, to me, he's one of the most inspiring guys at the beginning of my career because he was the one that I got on with and he was the one that kind of knew and he would just, Talk, he'd pull me aside, he'd be like, listen, we'd have deep chats about like life, about achievements, about goals, about how, why, things that meant something. He really showed me. And when I left, he was like, I sat down with him, I said, can we just have a meeting? I want to play some music. I had some rap, I had like one song maybe or two that I'd recorded, like it was terrible. And he was like, my one piece of advice that I'm going to give you is go away and write a hundred songs. 100 great songs. advice. I was like, 100 songs? But best piece of advice I was given. He was like, you need to find yourself as an artist. You need to say something. You need to be someone. That's all I'm going to say. And he was really minimal like that. And I found it really frustrating. What number song did you feel you started going to that next level? Like you know what? Number 49? I was 21. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the exact song, but I was 21, I reckon, when he told me that. And it wasn't till I was 23, I wrote this song, yeah, 23, I wrote this song called Home. And I was like, I know what I'm doing, guys. <laughs> How good a feeling is that? But it took a long time. Is that patience part. Because some people think they got one song or they upload it and no one listened to it in, in, in a month. I, it's not worth it. You know. I didn't upload anything. That's what I mean. Like your patience to have yeah. that listening to your those, friend yeah. and to do that was huge. Yeah. He really. Because you got to the root of you. Yeah, I did. I did. And it really, um, it was a really like amazing moment. And I like, I just remember so well sitting in this, basically like when I left that job, I basically went and did a million. I just was like, right, I'm going to work a job that I can go and do do music as well as do earn money because I never ever ever took off my parents I didn't like that I, I always had my own mom, my own money so I was like I'm gonna go get a job got a job in retail I had like um another side job and like an evening job and then I did sessions in the day and I basically in that in that period of time, I was like networking. I was using all my all the abilities I had, like I'd learned or whatever, and I was like tried to find people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I it was amazing because 
I got in the studio. The first thing I did after that was got in, I found this guy, my friend introduced me to this guy, my best friend. And I got in the studio with him and I paid this guy like money. My, I, I actually had to go to my mom and dad for this. And I was like, please, can you just help me out? I just wanna get some solid material because I need to start somewhere. And like nobody really cares about you at the beginning because they're not gonna do it for free unless they're at the beginning. And this guy was like, I charge you, I can't remember like, but it was a couple of grand and by the end I got four songs. They were mixed, they were mastered, they were finished. I had a CD, I could go and do a few gigs here and there, but I had something that I could play to other people that I could go, right, this is what I've done so far, do you wanna work? And then everyone wanted to work for free and I didn't ever, ever pay again, which was amazing. So then, oh no, that's a lie, I paid one other guy. Um, but for the most part. But for the most part, I, it, and, and it was nothing money-wise like what I paid this guy. And I was like, right, cool. I've started something, I'm on my way. And and then that kind of was the first part of it all. And then I started doing this, um, my friend came to me one day and said, I'm, I found this music development, this artist development course, do you want to do it? Like both of us, like striving musicians, yeah. we're really close. I met through my friend, like got really close. And, he, and I was like, you know what? What is it? Let's do it. It was like some two day a week. I was like, I can do that. I can still work. I can still do yeah. studio. Yeah, okay. That's enough time in my life. Yeah. So started this course, which was weird. It wasn't necessarily what I thought it was going to be, but it was, yeah, it was what it was. I wasn't the best student. I was in and out. But on that course, I met this girl called Janae Bennett, Jinjin, and that she came in and did a talk. And I swear to God, if I hadn't met that girl on that day, I wouldn't be here. I promise you. Wow. Because I met her. She, I went up to her after she did a talk. I said, can I get in the studio with you? And I'd built up so much of my own stuff by this point. I'd been really like, I'd got to like the best material that I thought. So I'd got in with this guy called Da Vinci. And I'd written these songs that I felt were my strongest yet. And at the, in that moment, I thought, oh, I'm getting there. I was like, oh my God, like these songs are like, I think I'm 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 solid enough. And I'd never sent anything to anyone. And she was like, can you send me some stuff? And I was like, I'll send you something. But I did like this private link. I sent it to her. I was like, love to get in the studio with you. She hit me back and was like, love it. Let's book in a session. And she was working with quite, do you know Wiley Grime? No. So like the Grime scene then. No, yeah, yeah, totally. So she was working with all the cool grime scene and I was like, you know what? That's cool. Working with a cool producer, got in with these guys, her and this other guy called Bless Beats. We were at home. And I swear, it was literally that moment I was like, something's changed. <laughs> I was like, I'm there. I'm get I really just felt a difference. And it was just all of that on the way. And it was like, there were a lot of, yeah, you know, and it was just, I guess it's an amazing moment to feel like, even though I had nothing and no no one has said to me, that song's amazing, I felt it. But for you. Yeah, so it was special. And that's the confidence, that's the thing, you can yeah. go to that person that you were nervous about, you yeah. can still talk to them. Exactly, exactly that. I was gonna say, the when you were your featured artist on the Clean Bandit song, Rather Be, uh -huh. um, that song had a huge success, like, you know, and then, it was, you know, it was kind of concurrently around your debut mm. and raised your profile. Like, what was that initial, like, impact for you? Like, personally, like, mentally, like, to have all that sort of happen? I think, like, when I chose to do Rather Be, it was, like, a very big thing for me because it was a song I hadn't written. I'm a very personal 
artist, as in like everything's very close to home. So it was very weird to jump on something that wasn't mine, but it was beautiful. It was like really great. I loved the song. And once I, once we worked on it together and added those few flavors that were like felt me, it became personal. And when it when it blew and when it went, because none of us knew, and when it did what it did, it was the biggest. It was the biggest mental change I'd ever had. And like gradually, I was going here to do a video. I was going here to do a TV. I was going here to do some promo. I was going, I didn't, and I was like, whoa, 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 I know about this because I work, like I knew about it, but it was all like this. And I was like, ah, oh, right, cool, okay. Uh. And I think it, it was really exciting at the, at the beginning and it wasn't as mad. At that point in time, it was like a slow build. We have traveled land and sea, but as long as you are with me, there's no place I'd rather be. Slowly, you know, getting busy. And then my love, this other song I did, then that kind of went and that was mm -hmm. like another moment of like, whoa. And everyone was kind of like, at this point in time, who's Jess Glynn? It wasn't really like obvious who I was because I wasn't in the video for Rather Be that much. I wasn't in the video at all for my love. And I was kind of like this ambiguous voice. It was like, who the hell <laughs> is this girl? And I, this husky I, voice. Yeah, and I was like really grateful because I actually, it gave me a chance to creep in, but not it take over my life. Because I had a moment, I still was able to walk down the street. I was still able to like do me mm -hmm. and my own shit. And I didn't need to worry so much. But then it was like, right here came. And then that was a top 10. I hold my hand came. And then it, and that's when it all really started to like wow. blow my mind yeah. a bit. That's when I really started to be a bit like, oh. <laughs> do you remember one of the first do you remember the first time you heard one of your songs in public? I remember when I first heard it in the car. I was coming out of my house and going to pick up my friend. We were going somewhere and I got in the car and there's a woman in the UK, you know Radio One. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so Fern Cotton was doing Radio One at the time and she was like, And this is Jess Glenn and I was like <laughs> I was like, I'm on a I'm on a radio. <laughs> I was on my it own. Sounds different. It does. And I was on my own and I was like <laughs> yeah, it was mad. It was a really amazing feeling. Yeah. Like to have someone yeah. say your name on this thing yeah. this station that you've yeah. listened to for how many yeah. years. Insane. Uh so the new album, September. Mm. It's coming in September, always in between. The first single, um, I'll be there. You told me I, I saw a little video of like this amazing story around that song, and I think it's worth retelling yeah um, for everybody because it just i thought it was really beautiful it is a really beautiful story actually because basically the song um my friend was going through a really tough time last year she's going well she's going through an awful breakup at that point in time she was like seeing no way out of that feeling and we was talking quite a lot and i was going through something myself personally and we were like we got quite close i think when you feel low and you've got someone who can relate it yeah. really helps you know and we spoke quite a lot those nights where it's like I'm still awake. Are you awake? Yeah. Cool. What are you saying? <laughs> and we didn't, we saw each other like 
every now and then, but because I was like, I don't know why, I, I don't think I was around so much. I and mean, she lives in the other side of London and both have crazy lives. And she, um, I just remember this one night, I was lying in bed and I got this message. She sent me a picture that she'd drawn. It was like full on, like amazing piece of art that she'd drawn this, of my face. And like, it was amazing. Like as in like, well, fan art. And then this essay. And she just was like, I probably got a message somewhere and it was just like, Jess, thank you. Like, I just want you to know that I have been listening to your album and I didn't realize the lyrics went that deep and that far and what you'd been through. I hadn't listened to it in that way, but I've been listening to it and it's been my therapy and I can't tell you how much you've helped me. Wow. I'm seeing the light, like I see hope. And she was just like, the message in that album is just like, you clearly went through something dark, but like, uh, you're here and you're cool. And she was just thanking me for helping her. Even though I wasn't there, it was like that album had just kind of given her hope and changed her whole mentality and made her see that she didn't need to feel shit anymore. And like, honestly, when I get messages like that from people I don't even know, it's like, it melts me. And when it's your friend, I mean, it's even more. And she's a songwriter. And when I decided to go away at the end of last year, she came down um, to write on the last day for um, this week, I took everyone away to write for the record. And she came down on the last day. And I guess we had this idea of like what we wanted to write. We'd said for so long, we want to write, we want to do something, we need to write about this. It was amazing that we'd like, you know, she'd come through this and we'd been through something together. And that was in mind. And I was finishing something off in another room and she went down and started jamming. Anyway, I came down to the room and I was like, hey, let's do this. And she was like, right, I've got an idea. We've just started it. Can I play you what we've done? And then let's move forward. If you want to do it, we do it. If you don't, we'll move on. I was like, cool. So she played the tune and she had like, oh, I'll be there when you need a little love. I got a little love to share. And um, I was just like, tear. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, to be actually honest, I heard this is what I heard. The first bit was like, when all the tears are rolling down your face and it feels like yours was the only heart to break. Because she'd done the first verse in the chorus um, or like some, she'd like, there was a mishmash of it. And I was like, I had to just literally, I, I was like, even talking about it, I was just like, whoa. Mm -hmm. I was like, have you written that for me? She wow. was like, she just came and gave me a massive hug and it was just, and I've never experienced writing a song like that. It was just amazing to have somebody know you and be, and have that feeling towards you. The connection. That can write and actually like make, uh, make music like that, you know. And I was just like, whoa, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> roll tape <laughs> yeah and then we we finished the song and it was beautiful and it was just and so now like when i listen to that song I, the way i look at it is that the verse is her and the chorus is me that's how i like the verse is is one person and the chorus is another person and that's how i listen to the song that's beautiful when you come back home and all the lights are out and you're getting used to no one else being around So is there, what do you see in music, like any dreams in your head 
like you've got the new record like any other dreams in your head that you're like i want to do this and yeah i, I feel this you know what my like, i do have so many dreams i feel like my first record achieved a lot you know that album did so much for me and it's like thank you like <laughs> i thank that album you know and i'm so grateful i, I feel like i'm now onto a next chapter and i'm still so early in my career it's only album two and i just feel like okay now i want to just go to a, the next part i want to I want to come to America. I want to do bigger shows. I want to come to America and and them to hear me on a bigger scale. I want to come to the world and them to hear me on a bigger scale. I want people to understand who I am as an artist more than anything. I feel like I kind of got there midway with like the first album, but I feel like with this one it it is more honest and it is more grown up and I feel like it is a better um it's a better what's the word? Re representation of me yeah i think it's a real representation of me and i feel like i i shy away from social media and from like the fame and being in the spotlight constantly and telling you everything and being in your face um just because i like to have my life i like to be a little bit normal and i feel like the reason i've gone a little bit more real on this record is because i feel that people constantly like want to know and I feel like if I can give that through my music as much as I want, then they'll feel like they're connected. You're almost giving more through yeah. the music than social. Exactly, yeah. I just Social's think only a piece. Yeah. But the song is, is like, it's, yeah. it's the whole story. Exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah. Rapid fire questions before you go. Go. What's the song, no matter how many times you've heard it, you'll stop anything you're doing to, to hear it again, to go listen through it again? Someone's song. Anyone's song. I'll take you there by the stable singers. Uh, what's one song that gives you goosebumps every time? In Love with Another Man, Jasmine Sullivan. Uh, guilty Pleasure. Guilty Pleasure. Band, song, album. I feel like my guilty pleasure is chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's an answer. That's an answer. Uh, <laughs> what's the most recent song you discovered and you had to share with your friends? Uh, this tune, Hurry by, um, I'm just in love with this song, Hurry by Tiana Taylor. She's, um, Kanye, I think, did her album. Oh, Kanye's album, I had to share. That album is like, I think that's my favorite album of the year. Really? I just love it. I'm a really big Kanye fan. I just think with him, he hasn't always got it right, but I feel like he's a genuine talent and he's like a scientist. That record for me has just gone back a little bit to his original flavor and for me, the influences he uses in his records and the honesty and the realness and the way that he makes the music connect with the lyric for me is like it's everything you know what's really interesting about you mentioned kanye is on reddit i don't know if you go on reddit at all the website that has a bunch of information someone posted a photo of him in his like basement studio years and years ago and he had something where he he wrote five beats a day for, and then the photo under it was him getting out of like a Lamborghini. And it was just like, get motivated, like keep writing. Yeah. And that was his yeah. motivation too. Like just it keep is, making yeah. music. Just don't stop. Like, there's going to be bad ones along yeah. the way, but keep making yeah. it. I just think that's like what you, because what I'll say is like in life, right? You get out what you put in. And like my dad has always drilled that into my brain. And I, I think like with writing songs is the same as like in life. Mm -hmm. Don't stop. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you want to get somewhere and you really, really want that, like, if you're going to have a break and sit and watch, you know, 100 hours of Netflix, 
I can't do that. I go stir crazy. Yeah. I want to create. Yeah. Like, so like every, so like, even for me, it's like at the beginning, it was like, I didn't give myself one day. I never did. I would work weekends. Wow. I had jobs in the week and I did a course. I did everything. All my days were filled because I was like, I guess I had that mentality is like, well, there's no, there's not enough time in a day. You just got to keep going. And that's the same with music. Just keep going because you have to do everything in order to make something of it. Like give yourself every opportunity that you could possibly have so that there is no room for failure. <laughs> I mean, we all fail along the way. We always have our like trip ups and we all have like our mistakes. That's just a part of life. At the end of the day, not everything works out for everyone. But at least like if you're doing everything and anything, there's gonna be something that's gonna work. Every day dream I have starts and ends with you. Thanks to Jess Glenn for coming on What Did I Say? Visit facebook.com slash Jess Glenn for more information. Our theme music is by Max Frost. Be sure and catch up on all the Atlantic Records podcasts at atlanticpodcasts.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>